3: quarantine well um I'm doing good you know it's it's time like it's really getting to that point where it's time but we're going to the beach actually tomorrow for a little over a week and so that's gonna be a nice change of scenery
0: oh my gosh totally I feel you like the first month I was sort of freaked out thought everything was just coming to a total end like it was Armageddon is what I felt like And now I'm like, okay, we just have to figure out how to have a new normal now. Like, this is going to be life for a minute, I think.
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's becoming just sort of this weird, like, if you think one way about it, then you're one way. And if you think another way about it, you're another way. And it's like, you know, I mean, I need to get back to work. Everybody needs (laughs) to get back to work and people are running out of money. And it's just, um, to me, it's just very very overblown but that's just my opinion and you know obviously it's so awful and tragic for anyone who has died from it or had a family member I mean it's so you don't you know taking that out of it but the other aspect of it is just that you know we gotta get back to work we gotta get back to work and we have to be uh sorry my hair we have to be reasonable here like let's apply something that works with both you know I agree totally. Yeah. So
0: you getting hints getting back to work. You've recorded a new album, and I got the privilege to listen to it called "Copy That." Mm -hmm. Wow! What a treasure this is. I mean, thank you. What inspired you to do this album? Because it's all of these covers of songs that have influenced you, like classic, amazing Mm -hmm. songs that have really inspired you what gave you this amazing idea to
3: do this because it's just awesome thank you so much i'm so proud of it um i i don't think i've ever been more excited to release an album than this one and that sounds weird because on other projects like i've written most of the songs or you know and so you would think that i would be more excited about original stuff but I don't know. So I started singing when I was four years old with my brothers in, the, in a family band. And so we were a cover band. And so my entire life has been spent you know, on stage covering songs and we would play like bars and wedding dances and rodeos and fairs and festivals. And, um, but especially like in the bar scene, we would do 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. shows and in a cover band you have to be good at choosing cover songs what do people want to hear what are the classics but what are also some cool ones that people may be surprised by so i spent my entire life doing that until i moved to nashville and got a record deal so i've been wanting to do this covers album my whole life and waiting for the right time and so I moved back to Nashville from Alabama in August and I knew that I wanted to get right in the studio because it had been a few years since my last album, Words. And um my manager was like, Hey, you should listen to Rustin Kelly's record. Um, oh, it's so good. So good. And so I, good. I was reluctant. Like it took me a while to listen to it because I'm slow to I don't know. It takes me a while to listen to new stuff and I have to be in the right headspace. And also I was thinking, oh, he's probably just gonna be like another bro country and, you know, it's just gonna be like that. And I was super shocked and amazed at his album and, and the production and the songs and his voice. I mean, there's nothing about him that's bro country. He's just freaking awesome. And so I was like, who produced that? I want to work with him. And that's what I always do. I've always done that throughout my career. Like, who played drums on that album? I want him. Who saying on that. I want him. And so we tracked down Jared Kay, who produced Rustin's record, and we had a few meetings and um because time was a little bit of the essence, I just said, Hey, would you be interested in you know our first project together being covers? Oh my gosh, I'm getting a phone call. Um let me decline <laughs> it. Of course.
0: Hey, it's okay. My podcast is called "Get Real" with Caroline Hobby.
3: It's all about real life. So okay, we're, good, good. We're
0: making it work in the days of quarantine right
3: now. Yeah, we are. Um, and that was easy to just decline him. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, and, and he was like, "Yeah, sure, that'd be great." And then our thought process was that right after the covers album, then we would start writing for an for the next project and you know another original album. So. We just immediately hit it off. We saw eye to eye on all of the songs that we chose, um, and it was really hard to choose the songs because there are obviously millions of songs. I know
0: that's a big task to narrow down the covers that you're going to choose for this epic album that you're making. I mean, that's—I'm sure—that was really overwhelming to pick the songs.
3: Yeah, it was. Um, you know, there are a few that I just knew for sure. Like, I've got to have a Patsy Klein, I've got to have a Hank Williams. Um, but as far as everything else, I just started listening to, like, 70s on 7, 80s on 8, and, um, and then getting opinions from my family. And, like, uh, Crazy Love was my brother's idea. My brother's my bass player. And um, that was a song that I hadn't thought of in years. But all of these songs are songs that I think are surprising, but they're not obvious covers. Like I'm not covering Sweet Home Alabama or Keep Your Hands to Yourself. (laughs) Like, so I think that everybody's going to be like, oh yeah, I remember that. Or, oh yeah, I haven't thought about that song. And, And also all the songs needed to be really authentic to me and something that, that I would sing, um, but yet would still surprise people like my Sharona. I think no one would ever expect me to do my Sharona or come on Eileen. I loved both of those. Those were so great. Thank you. Yeah. My Sharona was a, a, a late choice. Like I got in the car one day and it was on and I was like, Oh my gosh. Like this song makes me feel so happy and so fun. Um, but yeah, so we just, we eventually just were like, Hey, we're, we have to discipline ourselves and say, this is it. This is our lesson. <laughs> and then it made me feel better to think, well, I can always do a volume two.
0: Right, right, right. I love that. And so this is the first album on your own record label, Born to Fly Records, which is also kind of a big deal because it is the 20th anniversary of Born to Fly. How can that be? I remember I when that song came out and you were in the music video, This like the Wizard of All, Scarecrow and all that, like yesterday. I mean, I is one of the most impactful songs and albums, I feel like, in country
3: music history, really. How can well, it be 20 you. years? I don't know, honestly. I mean, it's frightening how fast time goes by. And, um, you know, Born to Fly has been really, really good to me. It changed my career, catapulted me to, you know, another level. And, um It's definitely my theme song. Like I have a memoir coming out in September and it's called Born to Fly. And um, it just kind of says it all, you know, that if you follow your dreams and you believe in yourself and you know that you're meant to do something, you know, that we're all born to fly in our own field.
0: So in your memoir, Born to Fly, what do you kind of talk about? What has your journey been like?
3: Well, it's not like a full blown autobiography, so it's um, just some stories that really stand out about my life. And um, I definitely I talk about my parents' divorce. I talk about getting hit by a car when I was eight years old. Wow! Um, Yes, Um, in detail. So a lot of people don't even know this about me. And then there's another thing. What happened? Well, um, I was crossing the highway on our at the end of our long driveway, (laughs) so you know we i grew up way out of the middle of nowhere in central missouri and all these windy country roads and our driveway was down in the middle of two hills and our neighbor was just flying um into town and she was going 75 miles an hour and hit me on the left side and it broke both my legs both my arms i was um unconscious for like three days and it was a tremendous journey to get get through that and recover and I was in the hospital for 6 weeks and I had four siblings already um I'm the third oldest of seven so my parents were poor farmers and you know it was just it it, it was very debilitating for the whole family um and I didn't leave the hospital bed for 6 weeks wow yeah so I talk about that I talk about another thing that's that I'm saving for the readers, but it's like a major, major, major thing that happened to me that people are just going to be like, Oh my gosh. Um, Another near death experience that I survived. And then I I talk a little bit about my divorce and, but it's kind of that, but also with me being funny and giving my opinions about parenting and being a wife and, um, you know, being an artist. And I talk about country music today. And so I give a lot of uh, unsolicited opinions and advice. I love that. What are some, I'm a new mom. I have a seven month old little girl. Congratulations! Are,
0: thank you so much. What is some of your parenting
3: advice? Well, I've always said that, you know, to, you need to be chill. Like parenting should be relaxed and your children you should raise your children um so that they are a joy to you and not annoying or a burden and and the thing that makes them annoying or a burden is if you give them the control and you spoil them and you don't discipline them and I say that it's between birth and five that you really need to get that you know established between you and your child that you know, they need to respect you. And, but at the same time, you also have to respect them as they grow. So I've never been a parent that yells at her children. I've never been like super strict and I've always just let them have a really long, you know, rope or whatever, so to speak. And then I'll just kind of rein them back in. If I feel like they're, they're getting to of control, but I've never tried to control my children and put down too many rules for them, but instead I've tried to teach them great common sense and don't, you know, don't be stupid about your decisions, you know, but all of that starts when they're little. So I always say, you know, choose your battles, but like, if you say that something's going to happen and you want something to happen, especially with like around three years old, um, you have to win. Every time you have to win. So so give me an example. Give me an example. Well, like, you know, if you're, if you say, um, put on your coat, we're leaving and the child won't put on their coat, you know, and you, you're like, they have to put on their coat because it's cold outside. You have to make that happen. Like, in other words, if you go to the car and you've lost that battle and the child doesn't put their coat on after a fight, um, then that has set something in, in the brain, in my opinion, and, or in their personality that says that you're not serious when you say, do something. And so that just goes along with the the whole respect factor. So if you want them to put on their coat, they have to, I mean, they just have to, and you have to win that. But if you don't, then it's, it's a real slippery slope. And so many parents that I see these days are afraid of their children. They're afraid to hurt their feelings or disappoint them or discipline them. And I just find that to be ludicrous because children need that. They, they want that. That's how they feel loved. And I have a real mutual respect with my children. My youngest is 15, my oldest is 20. And um, I think they would all say that I've, I've been a really, really relaxed mother, but we've never had any trouble. Nobody has ever gotten in big trouble. Um, no one's ever extremely disobeyed or done anything crazy. Um, and I think communication is key. You, you've got to talk to your kids and really, really, you have to respect them too.
0: You have to hear them.
3: Don't scream at them, you know, just, um, discipline them. That's great advice.
0: That's really great advice. And when you give your children a long rope, then they probably don't feel the need to rebel against you because you're letting them try what they want to try. You're letting them explore their personalities, their interests. And then you just come in and you're like, okay, this is the line that's too far when it gets too far. But then besides that, you let them be themselves.
3: Exactly. I mean, you show them respect as human beings and you know, I've never understood the parents who, like, freak out over grades or, you know, stuff like that. Things that it just don't matter. What matters is their hearts and what kind of people they're becoming. And I've always put all of my emphasis on that. Like, be good people. And, you know, put others first and have a great heart and, you know, love God, love others, and love your family. And show respect for all of those things. and yeah. So I think, you know, and, and my kids grew up on the road too. So they had like a strange upbringing where they were always traveling, always catching flights with me. So they had to adjust. So if I said, put on your coat, we're leaving. They had to, mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, we have a plane to catch or we have this. So they knew, and I was never uptight about, they have to stick to their sleep schedule or their, you know, cause my pediatrician told me like don't worry about that. When you when you get to the West Coast, put them on West Coast time. When you get back home, put them back on central time. Like it doesn't have to be so rigid. Also, don't try to potty train until they're three. Oh good. They don't get it. And it's way too many tears or spankings or whatever. I mean, I never cared about that kind of stuff. Like they're gonna do it when they do it. Right. You know, like developmental stuff like that. I was never freaked out about it, but I I think they don't really understand potty training until they're three. That's great advice.
0: So when your career just skyrocketed with Born to Fly, what does that feel like going from singing your whole life, obviously being in a family band, to having this dream of probably, I mean, I don't know, did you have a dream of being mainstream successful or were you just always wanting to sing and that just happened to come along? But what is it like? when all of a sudden you're on a worldwide level and everyone yeah. knows you, what does that feel
3: well, like? Well, <laughs> I grew up on stage. So I've always been like the center of attention in my family, like I'm the oldest girl. And so all of my sisters can sing just like me, but I, because I was the oldest girl, I was the, the one. And I knew that it was my calling when I knew that, it's, that I would move to Nashville, that I would become um, like Loretta Lynn or Reba, you know? but there was no question in my mind. I knew that if I got, if I, if I could get in a room with somebody and sing for them, then, then I would get it and I would make it because I just knew that I had the talent, you know? And I think you just know that, um, you can't teach singing. It's not something like, I've had so many people ask, like, should my daughter really wants to sing? Should I put her in vocal lessons? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, if she, if she wants to sing like for fun, but if she's not born with it, then vocal lessons are not going to help because it's something you have to be born with. Um, like, you know, people who can speak other languages, like that's a gift that you're born with, you know, and I can't do math. I mean, I can't add eight plus nine, but (laughs) so I just knew that, you know, I'm going to move to Nashville. I'm going to get a record deal. And so it, it wasn't something that really shocked me. Um, the success. But the hard part, the part that did shock me was uh, the difficulty in getting played at country radio and how that was a, um, never a given. That was something you had to work for every single time you put out a single. It was never something that, that came easy.
0: Was it as hard for women 20 years ago when born to fly came out as it is now, because I feel like this conversation, which I'm so glad the conversation is loud right now about Mm -hmm. the absence of women in country music. And I think, you know, a lot of people are trying to make a change of that, but was it as, was it as um, noticeable then too, that women weren't being played? as much? No,
3: not at all. I mean, when I came onto the scene, I had so much female competition. So when I got my record deal, these were the, the women already on the radio: um, Faith Hill, Reba, Martina McBride, Patti Loveless, Trisha Yearwood, Leanne Womack, Leanne Rhymes, um, Dixie Chicks. You know, just on and on and on. I mean, I it was it was so different. And then it just like to me, I mark it to like around the time that Luke Bryan released "Country Girl, Shake It For Me." That song, and then um, "Florida Georgia Line." And to me, that's when all of it kicked in and it just became like the biggest fad that's ever hit country music and it hasn't gone away. You know, and it's it's gotten a little bit better and it's not, but I don't even know that I would consider myself still in the genre because, you know, they don't play any new music from me or any of my peers, you know, that I started out with. Um, But no, with Born to Fly, I mean, it was, women were very, very dominant
1: Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
2: It took 11 years to get to this sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year.
0: How has that adjustment been seeing the change
3: from... It's been scared? horrible. I mean, yeah. I, I've cried. My family has cried. It's it's definitely changed, you know, my life, my income. Um, it's And it's weird because people will say like, you know, I'm so glad you're back with a new album, or I'm so glad you're... But I'm like, I've never stopped. Um, and in fact, you mentioned this covers record being the first one on Born to Fly Records. It's actually the second. So the one I put out, a couple of years ago called Words, was the first one on Born to Fly. I've never stopped writing, making music. I'm a better singer today than I was with Born to Fly, for sure. Um, A better performer, a better writer. um, And I still tour all the time. So it's just funny that, you know, if people, and there are a lot of other ways to get music out, but it's still primarily mainstream country radio is how people hear about you. Because the majority of middle America, like where I'm from, they're still just getting in their cars and turning on the radio. So if you're not being heard with new music, then they don't think you're doing it still. Right.
0: What is it like having your own record deal record label?
3: Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not that different. I mean, I have a group, you know, of my management company that helped me run it and really run it for me. And it's, it's, it's more just me having all the decision making. And, you know, so everything is now on my shoulders. Like I used to call RCA and be like, yeah, can can you send a box of CDs to my mom? Um, and they'd be like, sure. And now that, you know, everything is on me, I'm like, mom, you get one CD and that's it. Don't lose <laughs> it. <laughs> but it's fun because all the photo shoots, All of it is, is completely at the end of the day, my decision with, you know, I'm getting another call. Hold on. (laughs) Um, without anybody, you know, kind of weighing in, but at the same time, you know, I, I was very, very lucky. I had Martina on my Instagram live the other night and she and I were talking about how lucky we were to have come up at that time because we were very spoiled. We had huge budgets, um, and we had a huge team behind us that were, you know, pushing us and financing us. And that was a, an amazing um, sense of security to have.
0: So kind of jumping back to all the roles that you played, you talked about sending your mom a box of CDs and being one of seven kids, one of seven kids, right? Mm-hmm. And you have four, is that correct? Three, I or three. Four? three kids.
3: I have three and my husband has four. So um, So y'all have seven. We have seven together. Yeah.
0: So what has being a mother taught you?
3: Oh my gosh. Just, you know, I I was born to be a mom as well. I mean, that's, that's been my all time favorite job, um, over anything, but it just teaches you constant selflessness and that, You know, you're not, um, you're not living for yourself, but trying to find that balance of, you know, not completely living for your kids either. And I think it's been, it's been fun for my, cause my kids are all musicians as well. So they've grown up watching me be this star on stage and, and have a career, but at the same time, strike this balance of trying to be a great homemaker and, a great wife and mom. So it it teaches me something every day. I mean, I'm still learning. I still have two teenage daughters that, you know, they amaze me all the time. And, And I grow every day just by being with them. I think
0: that's the dream, though, to be like, you're such an example for women because you have chase your dreams and you have pursued what was on your heart and your calling and you never stop that to, and I, some people only have a calling to be a mom. And I think that is absolutely amazing. But oh, when yeah. you do have a calling to do something on your own, that takes time and energy. And it's a passion that you have to pursue. Sometimes women sacrifice that for their children. And I, I feel like that can be a sadness that women feel with deal with if they yeah. do that. So to figure out a way to balance it all, to me, that is the dream, to be a great mom, to be a great wife, and to be able to do your passion. That's just amazing, and it's such a you're such an example of that. And I'm sure, like, not every day is easy, but you stuck with it, and you found your way through this journey.
3: Yeah, there were some very difficult times. Um, you know, like, I, I had a manager that, um, he was co-managing me with, Brenner Van Meter, who she was my main manager for years, and we had a ton of success together. But uh, I remember calling him when I found out I was pregnant with Avery, my son, who's twenty, and and he said the F word. That was his response to me. And I fired him the next day because I'm like, I'm not gonna have anybody on my team that makes me feel bad. <laughs> that makes me for- wanna cry. Yeah, it was terrible. And I had already had a number one record, and that was my deal that I made with myself, that I'm not <clears throat> gonna have a child until I have a number one. You know, okay. so just like prioritizing and and not uh not being quite so much in the struggle when I have my first child. That was my goal. Sorry, I have to get a drink of water. <clears throat> and want wanted
0: to be more established to get that hustle struggle part out of the way. Cause I mean obviously you're gonna have to work it forever, but just to get the foundation laid.
3: Yes, because I needed money for a nanny and, you know, just money to be able to, to do that. And my solution with striking that balance was to just take the kids with me. Like, I'm just going to take Avery everywhere I go and everybody can just deal with it. And, but I wasn't going to leave him for days at a time, you know, and leave him with a nanny to raise. I was just not going to do that. That's not my personality. So he literally went with me everywhere I went and uh, it was me and him and the nanny. And, but sometimes I didn't even have a nanny and I would sleep with Avery. Like when we were on tour with Alan Jackson, uh, I I could still only afford one bus. And so there were only enough bunks for my band and crew. So Avery and I slept on the back couch together. And it, you know, oh, when you're on a bus, like you need to sleep this way because that's, you know, when the bus breaks, but the couch went this way. So every time the bus would break, we would like roll off the couch practically. (laughs) Yeah. And then there were just other times that, um, were very difficult. Like when you're releasing an album and they want you to do the radio tour and those kinds of things, you can't take your kids with you on, you know? Um, so I, I would, I mean, I, you know, I've had plenty of, of days where I would just sob, like, getting the call and, and realizing what the label wanted from me.
0: Oh, that is that. I mean, that puts tears in my eyes too, because being a mom there, it is just this feeling of connection and love that you've never experienced in your whole life and to have to at times leave them. I'm sure it's just heartbreaking.
3: Yeah, it was. And it it would make me furious too. Like when I would do that, and then they wouldn't play the record.
0: Right. You sacrifice, you've sacrificed leaving your children because it's important. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, for what? Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and then I just made a decision, you know, probably right after uh me down that I was not going to go to country radio anymore because they just, I just realized that they weren't going to play women. And that's when I opened my own label, but yeah, I mean, it's, it was extremely difficult to have that career. I mean, there was a year that, so Audrey was a baby. She's my third, my youngest, and we released a real fun place to start. I also did a Christmas album. I did a radio tour, and we were on tour with Brad Paisley, and I, I think I did, like, 300 appearances that year with wow. all three kids. Wow. And I had kind of a breakdown. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I, imagine... Yeah. I talk about that in my book, but, um, you know, because I just tried to do it all and and men don't have that. They, they don't understand that responsibility and the weight of it. Like having to be like men can just leave and leave their kids with, with their wife, you know, with the mom and not have to worry about, but I, I was doing everything, literally doing everything, making all the money balancing it all And, you know, thank God my brother was and is still my bass player and his wife was my hair, makeup and wardrobe. So they really helped me raise my kids. And then my sisters toured with me a lot.
0: So what have you learned about the strength of a woman?
3: I mean, it's immeasurable, you know, um, I'm not like I have a son, so I don't ever like to bash men or say that men aren't amazing because men are amazing. And my son's amazing. And, um, but I think that, that men just have no way of understanding. I mean, and I know they have their own stresses and their own weight that they carry and the burdens that they carry, but women, we just do it all. And we, we know where everything is. We know how to do everything. And, and still be great moms and have careers and you know we really really do um carry the burden i mean we we really do and I, i think that's just that has been since the beginning of time and it's no one's fault necessarily i think it's just the way it is and so i think that women are really really the strongest between the two not physically but probably mentally and emotionally.
0: Totally. I totally agree. I, ever since becoming a mom now, I, I see that. And now I see like women like yourself who carried on a great career, who have multiple children doing all this. I literally am like, it is amazing to me what a woman can do. Like it truly is amazing and still yeah. look beautiful and show up and be this light to the world. It, it's like, wow. It's just, it's really, it's really quite phenomenal.
3: Well, the one thing I prayed for all the time is energy. I used to pray and ask God to give me energy, give me the energy that I need. And, you know, my mom is like that. She, she's the hardest working woman I've ever, person I've ever known. And she still is the same at 70, you know, so, um, I always prayed that God would give me her kind of energy and that I just would, would never tire You know, and it drives me crazy when I hear people say like, you know, we can't, we can't come over because, you know, we have to put the baby down at 730 or I can't talk because I'm watching the baby. I have the baby. I'm just like, oh my God. I mean, you you know, having a child doesn't have to take over everything because I think it's very dangerous to give the child too much power in the home they still need to know, you know, their place. And so Jay and I have always done that with the kids. Like we have a time every night. We always put the kids to bed no matter what. Even if Avery comes home to visit, we'll walk up to his room and tell him goodnight. You know, sort of a bedtime, you know. It's just a way of closing off the day. But but they know that once we put you to bed and it's, you know, we say night-night, it's our time. So don't come down. Don't bother us you know, we've, we've always drawn that line, had those boundaries and kids need those boundaries. They like it.
0: Yeah. I love that. What, I know we need to wrap up soon. I have just a couple more questions. What was it like recording an album with your, two of your children? Because I listened to that and wow. So Avery, your son is playing guitar mm-hmm. and Olivia, your daughter is singing with you. Yeah, Holy smoke. She can sing. She's
3: amazing. They're both just amazing. And, and Audrey too. Audrey's just not as interested in doing music yet. Um, she's a dancer. But they all got the music gene. <clears throat> and um, it, it was phenomenal. I mean, we were just watching some footage yesterday and putting together a little like uh, reel of behind the scenes of making the album. And it, it was just amazing for me to see Avery, you know, in the studio playing on my record, you know, and, um, and he's, they're both just, they're better than me. I mean, they both are better than me. And it, it makes me very proud. But yeah, you can hear Olivia. She's the one singing at the end of the John Mayer song. All we ever do okay. is say goodbye. And she's more like a Beyonce type singer. And, but that, that has been, it's very full circle. And Avery has been in my band for the last couple of years. And so my drummer has been with me longer than Avery's been alive. So we all just like, It's surreal, you know, and you'll see when your child gets to be that age, it's, it is surreal um, because it's full circle. And like, remember when Avery was just a baby running around on the stage, now he's playing guitar.
0: What is that like to see your children grow into humans and discover their talents and become these people that are just using their purpose to bless the world. Like what is that experience like? And then to do a project like this with them, that has to be nothing short of spiritual. Really? It is. I mean,
3: I'm so grateful to God. I really am. Um, you know, I live literally, I live for my family. I think family is the most important thing in the world and something to be so cherished. And, um, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I feel so blessed and I, I thank God every day for this. And even, I mean, even if they weren't into music, but just like you said, seeing them become who they are and watching them grow. Um, Is it insane? It's insane, but you sort of, you know, you sort of always see them. Like I was just telling Olivia yesterday, I'm like, I, I always see you as sixth grade Olivia. And we were dying laughing. And, um, <clears throat> but it's, it's amazing. Every stage is amazing. And I'm sure you've already realized that having a seven month old, like every phase is awesome. And, um, I used to be really afraid of like time going too fast and the kids growing up and getting really sentimental and emotional about it. But I've just accepted that it's going to happen and there's nothing you can do about it. And it's when people used to tell me like, Oh, you're going to love you're going to love when they start dating or when they get married or when they have kids. And that seemed so far off to me. Um, but you do, you, you love every phase of it, you know, and, and we're not um, really close to any of their grandparents. You know, they, they still live in Missouri. And so we're extremely tight. Our family is, and um, we, we have so much fun. We have a lot of humor in our family. That's really all we do.
0: I love that. That's so good to have humor, just to keep it light. The world can be so heavy, and it doesn't mean that you don't acknowledge what's happening, but to have laughter, I feel like that truly is the best medicine.
3: I totally agree. Totally. What's your child's name? Sunny. Sunny? Sunny. Oh, so cute. Yeah, Sunny Grayson. Isn't it the best time of your life?
0: Oh, it is. I was an emotional wreck the first three months. Like I cried every single day, just like the, <laughs> the enormous love I felt. I had never experienced anything like it in my life. And it just like, it's so overwhelming. It is. Now at seven months, I feel like I'm leveling out a little bit with my hormones. She's like coming into a, a real human and I'm sort of embracing what you're saying instead of like hanging on to every single little day and just being like, oh my gosh, just like, I want to freeze time knowing that it's just going to keep getting better and just yeah. seeing her personality keep unfolding. So I, I try very hard to be present every day, just like to really be there in the moment with her, because I know it's fast and I don't want to regret like missing it. Cause I'm in a hurry for anything. So I, I just try to be very present and
3: yeah, see, and just like, don't, each day. Don't stress, you know, that's yeah. the thing. I, mean, I think so many people. and And, and, I, and again, the thing that, the only reason that I think parenting will be stressful is if you spoil them and you make them, um, not fun to be around They're They're just very, you know, demanding and, and they won't obey and they, they interrupt you all the time. If you're trying to have a conversation with an adult, you need to train them to be like, people that are enjoyable to be with, like, would I want to hang out with this person?
0: Yeah, totally. Um, what did you learn from your near-death experiences? What did you learn about the other side?
3: Well, I learned from the one that I tell in the book that I'm sort of keeping for the readers. Um, I, I learned, I mean, I know without a doubt that I'm saved and that I'm going heaven when I die. Um, and I don't want to die, but I, I wasn't scared like I thought I would be. You know, everybody imagines scenarios like that, but I learned that, um, I just, I knew that I was about to meet Jesus and I just had that. And there was this calm that came over me and then we ended up being okay. But, uh, did you ever meet Jesus? Did you ever see him? No. Um, but I just had this, this reassurance that I knew it was going to be okay. I love that. That's amazing. Okay, we're going to wrap up. Last question. Two questions
0: and then we're going to go because you have another interview coming up. Best marriage advice. What's the best marriage advice? And then I have one last question then we're done.
3: Okay, best marriage advice is don't be a bitch <laughs> and don't, don't just sit around and think of things to worry about or <clears throat> be upset about or to bitch about. Um, and just remember, like, if you have a, if you have a man in your life like a a brother (laughs) or your father I have the worst allergies. I'm like choking to death. Um, Or in my case, I have a son. And so every time I think about being mean to my husband, I think, how would I want my son's wife to treat him? That's how you should treat your spouse Um, and vice versa. So I think just don't be a bitch. Don't just chill out and have fun. And communicate because men don't understand. <clears throat> they will not see the trash. They just won't see it. <laughs> They'll never see it. <laughs> it's only a certain type of man that will. And it's like, if he has like, you know, if he's been raised to really be that way, or he has more whatever left or right brain, but most men are just not going to see it. They're not going to think I should make the bed. You right. know? And so what they need is for you to, to tell them, hey, will you make the bed? Will you take out the trash? But don't, don't be a bitch about it. And, you know, and again, if you have, when you have a son, especially you, you realize, oh gosh, I need to be the wife to my husband that I want my son's wife to be.
0: That's really profound. You're very wise. You are very, very wise, Sarah, like beautiful. So I love to wrap up my interviews with leave your light. Basically, um, just a very broad question. What do you want people to know?
3: Um, I want people to know that, you know, they're like, how can I say this? I I think that the key to happiness in life is freedom and feeling free to be and think as you are, you know, and, To um, really believe that there is a God and that there is a heaven and just to try to enjoy life, like really, really stop sweating the small stuff. I remember in my twenties, I would just worry. I would think about things to worry about. And so many people have anxiety these days and it's all because of the phone. It's all because of the iPhone, everything. You know, we just spend way, 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 way too much time looking at that damn phone <laughs> instead of interacting with people. And you can ask my family. I mean, that's my biggest pet peeve. Like, you will not bring your phone to the dinner table. Um, <clears throat> and it's just rude. Like, even if we all sit down to watch a movie together and I look over and one of, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say that to a Rick; she's an adult, but like Audrey, if she were looking at her phone, I would make her get off the phone because even though you're in the room, you're not watching this movie with us. So people need to really um, cherish human interaction and allow people to be who they are and think what they want to think and stop, you know, trying to control everything and, you know, and trust God. Amen.
0: (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your gifts, your music, your talent, your heart, your soul, everything, your advice on, marriage and parenting and gosh how exciting to have this new album coming out copy that everyone i cannot wait for them to check it out may 15th is that when the first single drops
3: yeah may 15th okay and it's a the album comes out may 15th we've got three singles out you know that we've already released and another one coming out tonight
0: okay yeah so exciting
3: very exciting. I think people are really, really, really gonna love this album and they're gonna be kind of shocked that it's me.
0: And I love that the cover of it is you with blonde hair, like throwback. It's so cool.
3: Oh yeah, I wanted to be I wanted to be like Tammy Wynette, you know. I love it.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Sarah. It thank was... you. Congrats on your baby. Thank you so much. Okay, have a Take great day. Care. Bye. Bye.